Welcome to In the Queue. I'm Andrew. I'm Phil. And we are your hosts. And we are going to talk to you today about movies. That's what we do. We try to have uh, interesting conversations about the films that we are watching. And today's film should provide us with some very interesting conversation. Indeed. Uh, this is one of our listener suggestions. Yes. So if you are a listener, if you are listening right now, know that you can provide us with suggestions of films you'd like us to talk about. And we'll talk about them. We'll go and we'll watch those films and we'll talk about them. The way that you can do that is to visit us at our our uh, our blog. I was going to say our queue, <laughs> but the blog is titled In the Queue. That's uh, in dash the dash q the letter q dot com, uh-huh. and you can find the blog there, and you can recommend any movies that you'd like us to review, or you can find us on Facebook by searching for In the Queue Q spelled out Q U E U E, and you can recommend us any movies that you'd like us to watch there as well and you can also you can enjoy the different things that we post on the facebook page too that sort of uh comment and elucidate what we are talking about addendums to the conversation if you for example one of the ones that i was most proud of which was the uh posting the video for the disco song more 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 which is sung by an actual porn star uh for the discussion about nymphomaniac Yes, yes. Yeah, very nice. Very nice. Well played. And if you have no desire to recommend a film to us, and I would hope that that's not the case, but if you just want to listen, mm-hmm. you can find us on iTunes. You can find us at In the Queue, Film Conversations with Andrew and Phil. That's right. And that's where we'll be, and you can get those delivered to your mobile device or your home device or any device that uses iTunes. We just don't want to leave you to your devices without giving you a <laughs> podcast to listen to. <laughs> Love it. Today, we're going to be talking about The Perks of Being a Wallflower. Mm-hmm. This was recommended to us by Aaron from St. Louis. Uh, he gave us a couple of recommendations, and this is the first one of those recommendations that we wanted to tackle. So thank you very much, Aaron. Uh, for getting us to watch this film. I might not have watched it otherwise, quite frankly, and I'm I'm very glad that I did. Yeah. Very glad. I, I actually read the book a few years ago, and uh, oh, yeah? I was, the, the movie wasn't really on my radar because I thought, you know, I've read the book, I, I got it, I got the story, but I actually enjoyed the movie quite a deal more than reading the book. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow, that's usually not the case for most people. Well, we should also say, and I'm sure this will come out eventually, but... The writer and director of this film is the book's author, Stephen Chbosky. It's true. It's true. Uh, and, yeah, I, I think that that shows in the film. And we'll, we will talk about that. But uh, Stephen Chbosky, as you said, is the director and the writer and the writer of the source material. And uh, the film itself concerns Charlie, a young man in what is never mentioned in the film, but I could only gather to be the early to mid nineties. Yes. Yeah. uh, As the time period for this film. But Charlie is a freshman in high school and is just starting and, uh, runs into the sorts of problems that many sort of introverted young people run into. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, the kind of typical things that we've always seen a little bit of bullying, a little bit of, uh, people not noticing a little bit of, uh, wariness about speaking up and asserting oneself mm-hmm. 
and he runs into a couple of seniors that he befriends, and it opens up his world. Yes, that's great. And this becomes a, a coming-of-age tale about Charlie uh, not only learning to deal with uh, this new, these newfound friendships and, and navigating the sort of uh, roadmap of, of adolescent life, but also about uh, dealing with and in some ways overcoming uh, great trauma that has happened in his life. Aptly put. And, uh, and it, it's, a, it's a fascinating portrait. Yeah, I mean... And one that I think, I think is a really great film. I loved this movie. I really loved it more than... I did too. I mean, more than most movies I've seen lately. Uh, yeah. it, I really do think that it's one of the really best high school movies that exists in this country. I, I actually agree. <laughs> I, I, like, I, was, I, I love how much this movie took me by surprise. Yeah. I didn't expect any of this going in. I thought that it was, you know, the, the, the most of the talk around this film centered around Emma Watson's being in it. Uh, of course, her of the uh, great Harry Potter fame. Mm-hmm. Um, she, she, you know, everybody was excited to see her in, a, in a, something that was not playing Hermione Granger. Yeah, and she's adopting an American accent for this film. Adopting a, a very excellent American accent yeah. that is not like uh, some other uh, British actors who adopt American accents and fail miserably. Yeah. Um, Judy Dench. But... <laughs> That's not who I was thinking, but uh, okay. Uh, sorry. Uh, I'm dial myself back a little bit. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I, I just thought this was... Uh, it was a, a wonderful surprise at every every turn. I like the, the the tone of the film, the pacing of the film, the the uh, subtle use of music in the film, like uh, tons of stuff. But we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, first, talk to me about the title, Phil. So, I really feel like seeing this movie gave me a much deeper understanding of the themes. Um, for some reason, seeing it and hearing it added so much more dimension than just you know reading the words on the page. Um, yeah. And also, I believe that the book exists entirely as a series of letters. Uh, it's been a while. There's 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 that kind of a frame in the film where he writes to a dear friend, and we never yeah. we never know who the friend is. I believe it's like that that old book we read in junior in uh, elementary school called Dear Mr. Henshaw. Which by Beverly Cleary, which was just the whole, uh-huh. the whole book was just nothing but letters. Anyway, right. so this or Dracula for that matter. Wow, well played. Dracula is entirely, which is great, but the entire narrative is told in correspondence. That is an astute reference to make. I'm impressed. <laughs> anyway, so the the okay, this is the title, as we said, the perks of being a wallflower, and. It is Charlie, the main character, who is the wallflower, of course, because he is so shy. Proclaimed as such in the in the film. Yeah, uh, at, a, at his first party that he ever attends. That's right. He uh, they claim him as one of their own. <laughs> at this, there's a really great scene in the. I mean, really great scene that I absolutely adore when Charlie goes to this uh, school dance and he's literally hanging on the wall watching uh, other people dance. And um, 
eventually he he gets he gets the cojones to go and join the dancing and he's totally rewarded for his bravery yeah but anyway so he 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 knows the answers in class he knows what to do he knows how to behave but he holds himself back and this is why he's considered to be a wallflower but charlie is a pimp and he has been one all along and <laughs> and that comes out later in the film and that that's the point of the movie the point is that when you're a wallflower, you gain a certain sensitivity and a certain insight into how people work. And you're an observer. You're an observer. You watch people yeah. interact. You gain all kinds of knowledge uh, by observing and learning about yourself and knowing what you like and all that. And not everybody has that. And I would say that pretty much everybody eventually makes friends. Eventually, people find a crowd, no matter who they are, and they do the best that they can to self-actualize. But the wallflowers have the advantage of the sensitivity that will be with them for the rest of their lives. And yeah. once they're able to sort out their their confidence, they have tremendous assets, and they yeah, that's those are the perks. The perks is that you have you're attractive to to other people that you like. You have the you know the bravery and the um, the values to stand up for your friends, and those kinds of qualities will take you far in life. And that's why what a what a great scene in this movie when he stands up for his friends. <laughs> oh my god! And the way that it's handled, like directorially, the way that it's photographed and the way that it's presented is so great. Oh, oh. yeah, he's a stud. He's uh, he's he's got it all. And uh, he's a badass. He knows how to how to be tough when he needs to be. He knows how to be a lover. He knows how to be a comedian. He's got it all. And and over time, he's going to kick ass. Yeah, but I think it's I think one of the great things about it is that it's not presented uh, it's not presented in uh, sort of a typical Hollywood linear fashion. He doesn't the the place that he ends up at the end of the film is different from where he started mm-hmm. but it's not he's not a different person he's had experiences and he has changed but it's the cumul the cumulative mm-hmm. experiences that he has had are what like alter him and ever so slightly you don't feel like he's uh, a different it's not like watching Luke Skywalker at the end of Star Wars versus the beginning of Star Wars mm-hmm. right it's not night and day that he becomes this like grandiose hero it's a really really subtle it's a difference and i think it's the way people change it's the way people learn it's over time and it's incremental and i think that on the inside charlie has learned things of course but he, he also has a lot of the same characteristics that he had in the beginning only now by the end of the film he has the, the self-awareness and the self-love and the confidence to really act on these feelings that he's had from the beginning. Um, yeah. he, he's, he's wanted to, to take risks and he's wanted to, to really you know, show his mettle and then he does that. But he also makes mistakes. He makes big mistakes. He makes friendship-altering mistakes. He makes uh, emotional mistakes. And I and it's so it's so great how it's presented so matter of factly and I think you and I it's safe to say that you and I are 
both in some regard social outcasts. <laughs> That's why we uh, did this podcast. <laughs> we weren't the popular kids in school. Well, wait a second. Uh, wait a second. Speak for yourself. Oh, oh, well, the, I'm sorry. We, we, I'm sorry, Mr. <laughs> Letter Jacket. Me and Andrew both identify with this movie a lot. But the way that I got by in high school was by being involved with the the drama crowd and the arts crowd. Likewise. And that's Likewise. yeah. So and that although that that is that is present in this film too. I mean they 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 are rocky horror devotees. True. And and this whole group of friends they go and they actually perform at the Rocky Horror Picture Show screenings, which is something that I did. Yeah. I didn't perform, but I actually worked at a movie theater where I was a manager and I got to run the theater while the Rocky Horror Picture Show was going because none of the other people wanted to work during that time because it's a terrible mess to clean up and it's yeah. you're there all night. You know, it starts at midnight, so you're there until like four in the morning. But oh, like the that crowd those are my people, man. Yeah, it made it <laughs> I made love me it. it made me kinda want to go to see Rocky Heart because I'd never seen it in, in person. But oh, my, God, my big my big sort of anecdote about high school and about my popularity in high school can be summed up in this. When I was a senior, I had been in a couple plays at school. I was in performing in in band i had the i had the lead role in a school play in my senior year and i was well known partly because i was hanging out with a lot of really popular kids who were (laughs) who were they were like rock stars because they were part of the improv club at uh, Mm -hmm. at our high school and so they performed on campus all the time and everybody knew who they were and my really good friend was a huge like virtual celebrity because of improv and because of the bands that he was in anyway so when it came time to vote for who is going to represent uh, the uh, this particular student body's choice for Mr. Senior, uh, every every AP English class was going to vote on who would be their candidate for Mr. Senior, and then they would then go on to the next round of votes and whatnot. And so this is in my English class, and we were all going to vote, and it was going to be anonymous. So, you know, heads down hands up and I thought to myself I'm going to be the bigger man I'm going to take the high road and it came down between me and somebody else and I decided that I would vote for the other person and I wouldn't vote for myself and that it came down to one vote didn't it and then I lost by one vote <laughs> <laughs> and I never became Mr. Senior uh, but I, I was I was fairly popular but you know this guy um, Charlie he he got abuse in the film that I never got, slammed into lockers, insults. I mean, the high school vision in this film is a vision of humiliation and obliterating people, cruelty, everyday abuse. And that wasn't my high school experience. But at the same time, that type of you know fate that befalls a person will instantly endear them to the viewer because yeah. in a way we can all relate to feeling small even if we weren't you know shoved into a locker every day well the the wallflower aspect of it that the, the titular sort of characteristic is one that i did relate to to a pretty fair extent i remember going to a party once when i was in high school where people were drinking and partying and going insane and I just sort of like stood back and observed like the entire time I kind of was invisible planning um, and just <laughs> planning that someday you would have a podcast and talk about this very <laughs> subject no it was just it, you know it was it was one of those things where like uh like being that 
that kind of personality. Um, they, I mean, this movie really spoke to me. A lot of these, yeah, again, like like you said, like I wasn't really abused that much or pushed around. I had people who were mean to me, but you know, it never really bothered me. I usually fought back if anybody was uh, uh, cruel to me, you know, and certainly if they were physically so. Mm-hmm. But they, you know, uh, so it wasn't that kind of overarching cruelness. But I, I don't think that that was the case in this film either. I mean, I think that people were mean to him, but it was it was so matter of fact. It was so like just kind of that's the way these people are. There, there's one girl who like sat next to him in class, uh, in English class, who would just like say the meanest, like yeah, just crappiest things to him. And and he said at one point, "Would you believe like she's." gotten straight A's since kindergarten or something like that. <laughs> right. uh, and and I, I thought that was such like a perfect pin on like the kind of personality types that you run into. Like these people who just like they they have their own battles that they're fighting. They have their own stuff that's going on. And it's it's a those those kind of details in this film are what make it really, really good. Logan Lerman plays Charlie and he does such a great job of conveying this kind of awkwardness, the discomfort of being in social situations. Like you can see him chewing on the inside of his cheek when he's t- when he's walking around. Yeah. And yeah. my favorite scene, quite possibly, is when he goes to this school dance, and across the room he sees Patrick and Sam dancing in the middle of the of the dance floor, and they're intentionally being very like broad and, and obnoxious. And living room, living room. The living room routine, they call it. Living room routine. And uh, and it's actually really inspiring because it's like, yeah, like dude, take take the bull by the horns, you know, just grab grab at life and just just you know enjoy your life to the fullest because high school is it'll never be like this again. And yeah, but it's just real quick note on that. Yeah. Like, but it's also presented in such a way that it's not, uh, you know, in, in your sort of conventional narrative or the conventional kind of movie that you would see. They would clear the floor and then like somebody would push one of them and be like, hey, dweeb, <laughs> like, like, we're, like, this is everybody's dance floor or something. But it's but it was exactly the kind of thing that would happen in real life where you like clear the spot and people are maybe annoyed a little bit or something like that. But they'll just be like, yeah, fine. And they move to the other side of the dance floor and nobody cares. They will respect what you're doing because you are clearly ruling the dance floor and you're having fun yeah you're, like they're they're dancing to come on eileen and it's you know it's great and and so but there's a brilliant thing going on in that scene it's it's the brilliance of the acting but it's also the brilliance of the editing it, oh the editing is so good because God, it keeps great. cutting between patrick and sam living it up to to charlie just staring at them and he's like getting all nervous and he's getting so worked up and and the editing makes you think that even more it's almost like a really great embodiment of the Kuleshov effect where you just yeah. see this one guy staring at something and then you see what he's looking at and there's all this tension is being built and then finally Charlie decides he's going to go for it and he takes that walk to the middle of the dance floor and at that point and you, and you almost anticipate that something's going to go catastrophically <laughs> wrong because we're sort of we're Pavlovian you know animals and, and like we 
we and that's what happens yeah. in American that's comedies where somebody gets yep. humiliated over taking a stand when they're nervous, or even serious movies. Yeah, yeah, even yeah. Serious movies. Somebody like that'll be like their their moment where they're they're pushed down into the dirt and you know whatever. Yeah, it's like they 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 build it up so much like this is going to be a great thing and then it gets totally dashed. Like like this is a, a more um, over the top example, but but the major climactic scene in Carrie with Sissy Spacek, it's yep. it's a high school moment that seems like a dream come true and then it becomes a nightmare. But anyway, so so Charlie he he walks out to 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 them and and they greet him with open arms and they're so happy that he came out there and they just they dance in a circle. I know it's so glorious and beautiful and and I'll use this opportunity to say that Ezra Miller as Patrick was an amazing actor in this film. He was so great. He was so great. I thought I was going to hate him because I saw you know uh, we need to talk about Kevin. Yeah. Right. And. I didn't like him in that. Well, he I was thought, a jerk. I thought he was unconvincing. Oh, well, oh not, okay. but not even, not even like the character. I just thought he was unconvincing as that character. I, gotcha. I thought that the, I thought that movie fell apart when he became Ezra Miller's age. When the character became Ezra Miller's age, mm-hmm. and uh, and in this, he was just he owned the role, and he was so joyous and so great, so great. Actually, and in fact, I would say every performance in this movie is spectacular yeah but the thing about ezra miller too is when he auditioned for the the movie it was a skype call and oh he really could, he couldn't actually come to the the office Audition. yeah and uh so he skyped and because he was so charismatic over the skype call they made a decision and cast him within five hours after the call that's great i mean and he i, I don't know how he can possibly follow up this movie but I'm sure that he will somehow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Certainly. But t- speaking of the Dexys Midnight Runners and the whole Come and Eileen song and all that, yeah, yeah. I did want to talk briefly about the way music, the role of music in this film. Yeah, both diegetic and non diegetic. Fair. Yeah, that's fair. To the, say. the score and the soundtrack. The songs, the soundtrack, yeah, yeah. Are, are sort of two separate entities that are, work in perfect harmony. Mm-hmm. So this film kind of sort of paints a picture that this takes place in like 1991 era, roughly. Someone um, cassette tapes are still being used. That's right, and no make mixtapes, no cell phones or anything like that. That's for sure. Oh, it was a beautiful time. It was a beautiful time, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, just like, just the thinking about watching that scene, this. I, I I just uh, I wanted to be back in high school. So bad. <laughs> Took me so back. I'm like, oh. I have often wished that I could go back in time and relive my early youth, knowing what I know now and having of course, the insight of and the confidence to really go for it. And and I, I did not in all respects, not really as much with girls as I would have liked. But anyway, that's that's a whole other issue. But in this film, certain songs, rock songs. Yeah. Familiar songs like Heroes by David Bowie uh, mm-hmm. or even maybe more obscure Asleep by the Smiths. These songs get mythologized in this movie. And there are certain scenes that are like iconic sort of canvases being painted with this music. And yeah. but then the thing is, but then it'll it'll cut off at the drop of a hat when the scene is over. And and to me, that was very interesting in the way that like the music is so epic and it and it provides so much insight into the different characters' frame of mind, but but what I realized is that the music, the great songs, 
are all part of one big song. And it's all part of one continuous, like, soundtrack. And I realized pretty soon into the movie that there was going to be a steady stream of songs throughout the movie and that they would evoke the period. And then the moods of the characters, which are fleeting. And that's why the music comes and goes. And um, the, But my other, my other sort of question that I want to posit, sort of like the critical thought would be, is the specificity of the music limiting the audience for this movie? No, no. I think it, I think it sets the tone and the space and the time. And 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 the soundtrack is you know as I said is a separate entity. I mean the score rather is a separate entity, mm-hmm. and and makes like it it ties things together and it reinforces the emotional state that people are in. And it it it's very subtle, mm. very very subtle kind of work. It actually reminded me a little bit of the. Uh, the the score for uh, there will be blood oh yeah like Johnny Greenwood's kind of like uh, very like minimalist mm-hmm. score that sort of goes on in the background of the film uh, and and I, I really thought that it was it was beautiful and and the I mean uh, one of the great things about this film for me was the fact that like it was of a time and a place it was in a sense a period piece mm. but it never drew attention to that yeah it, it was never like all about like the ostentatious cars or the st- crazy hairstyles that people had or like what are those crazy clothes yeah everything was just presented matter of fact this movie had bigger fish to fry than the to-do list which took place like nearly in the same 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 time period but was after a different kind of stupid kitschy and it failed miserably and and for some of those 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 reasons because it it didn't it it looks more at the past as uh sort of a, a, a series of regrets Instead of like the just the wonderful kind of mm-hmm. uh, you know fond reminiscence yeah. that this film clearly had uh, for that time and that place, and man, man was it fond. You you could sense that this was all the love of the of the the author mm-hmm. slash uh, filmmaker. Yeah. Um. And it, oh man, I I just like some of some of those songs took me way back. And you know what I loved. I love the fact that Heroes by David Bowie, it, it, it's sort of cyclical. It comes early on in the film and then it comes on again mm-hmm. towards the end of the film. And through that entire time, they hear it that one time on the radio and then they don't know what it is and nobody knows. And there isn't some smart alecky guy who's like, oh, you guys don't know who David Bowie is. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Ah, let's, you know, I'll, I'll school you. Like it just, it just exists. And this was in a time, of course, pre uh you know, Soundhound or Shazam, right? Where you couldn't just figure out what the the song is instantaneously. You might go years mm-hmm. without knowing what a song is, and then you hear it again, and it's this great, you know, eureka moment. But one thing also about the the soundtrack of this film too that really speaks to the depth of of Stephen Chbosky's vision is that there is one song that is only referenced. But it's a very important reference. It's never played. We never hear it on the soundtrack. The Beatles, Beatles song. It's a Beatles song something. The 45 that he has that he was going to give as a gift and which also has a very specific meaning to his past. Well, that he gave as a gift. He gave to Sam. Right. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Um, but I, we're all falling over ourselves praising this movie. I loved it. The only thing that I did not particularly like that much is how – the sort of there's like a climactic revelation that I mm-hmm. the filmmakers deliberately chose sort of a 
a, an alternate style for for trying to convey the um, the weight of this revelation. And I think that they didn't need to go there. I don't think they needed to make it so jarring and like kind of like the revelations that are in like Fight Club or Matchstick Men. Um, I just kind of thought that it interrupted this beautiful flow that I was getting from the whole film. And I kind of thought, I felt a little bit manipulated, whereas the rest of the film didn't do that to me. I, I could understand that. I think I think the, the strange thing about it for me was that it, it's such a subtle presentation of the the crisis, this major event that happens. And we won't tell you what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the the sort of crux of, of kind of a lot of his neuroses comes from this one singular event. Um, and, and, and the the way that they presented it, you, as you say, with the sort of alternate style and everything, I almost didn't catch what it is that had happened. Oh. Like, I mean, I did. You know, you, you get there because they, they make it fairly explicit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but in the in their sort of unraveling of it, um, it's more about people talking about it in terms of, of their levels of responsibility for it or uh, their feelings of guilt over this event. And uh, and I don't know that I don't know that it turned me off to the film because mm-hmm. I think that it turns right to where it was almost immediately afterwards. Uh, it might just be because I'm a filmmaker and I'm super aware of, of the art, maybe. the artifice almost all the time, even though this film, yeah. I mean, when a film is really working for me, the artifice and the content are just in union. And right. so much of this film was like that, but that moment just kind of stood out for me. But uh, overall, I totally recommend this film to anybody whether you're, I, whether you're in high school or just finished high school or you're 90, uh, whatever. I think, I think this film, quite honestly, is one of the great coming-of-age films. Yeah? I, I, I think it's it's extraordinary and, and you know belongs in the ranks of great coming-of-age movies. You know, John Hughes was originally supposed to direct it, but then he died. Oh, wow. Yeah. I did not know that, but... That would have probably been a very different film. I'm kind of glad. I'm not glad he died, but I'm glad that Stephen Chbosky made the film. Yeah, I am too. Yeah. I am too, because I think that it feels just as personal as it needs to feel. Yeah. Really, really, really great film. I also highly recommend it, and I, I think that uh, I think it was so pleasantly surprising in so many ways. Uh, and I think that it's it's tender and it's beautiful and it's poignant, and you got good performances all around. Uh, a very subtle and intelligent script. Mm-hmm. Uh, just great. Yeah. Just a great movie. Thanks for the, the recommendation. Yeah. Thank you, Aaron. Uh, definitely. Definitely. Thank you. Cause that was, it was a really great recommendation. Uh, next time around on in the queue, we are going to be talking about another new release, the big Disney movie, Angelina Jolie vehicle, Maleficent. I don't know what to expect, but I like the way she looks in the poster. Yeah, she looks very much like the iconic baddie from Sleeping Beauty all those years ago. She looks like, she, I don't know what's up with her cheekbones, but she looks a lot like a very evil villainess. And, and the fact that the name of the film is the villain's name makes me wonder what's going on. Are we going to be rooting for Maleficent? We'll see. I think I think it's likely that it's going to be a retelling of her story. Maybe try to garner some 
empathy is for the villain on our part. Would we feel empathy because she adopts a lot of children from all over the world? <laughs> unlikely. <laughs> unlikely. I would say it's more like probably the tale of Wicked. Yes. Which re- retells the tale of the Wicked Witch of the West who maybe wasn't so wicked. She just had a lot of issues. Mm-hmm. Girlfriend. She was working through. <laughs> Boom. Oh, you just did the triple snap. That's the what snap. I did. That's what I did. <laughs> So please join us for our discussion of Maleficent next episode. And thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.